Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to our Monday night Mishle class on a Wednesday night. I apologize for not making it this past Monday, but we're continuing our study of Sefer Mishle, the book of Proverbs by Shlomo HaMelech. We are in Perik Gimel, Pasuk Yud Aleph, if you're following inside. Today, we are going to touch upon some of the more well-known Pesukim in all of Tanakh. So if you're with us tonight, hearing live, or later on, hearing this on a recording, enjoy. We will uh, discuss and expound some of the great wise words of Shlomo HaMelech uh, towards the end of the class. You're going to have to be a bit patient, but not to think that, God forbid, the beginning is not uh, useful and meaningful. It is. And Shlomo HaMelech begins in Pasuk Yud Aleph with the words, Musar Hashem Beni Al Timas. My child, do not despise God's discipline. Musar, we see this concept of Musar again. Ve'al takots betochachto. And do not be disgusted with reproof. If suffering comes upon you, cherish it. So Rashi says. Cherish suffering. Something very difficult to do. Most people don't like to talk about suffering, let alone experience it or feel it. Rashi here is explaining Shlomo Amelech's words to cherish suffering. Because if you despise suffering, then you won't receive the benefits that it brings. So you're wondering what exactly is the benefit. Well, that's that's what we're going to see further in uh, in the psukim that ca- that come along. Uh, some of our Hasidic masters want to explain this pasuk of Musar Hashem Beni Altimas Ve'altachot Betokachtod. My child, do not despise Hashem's discipline. To explain this hermetically, by saying that. What is Hashem's Musar? What is his um, chastisement? That, Benny, that you are my son. That is that is his Musar. That is his discipline. You are, or we are, children of royalty. We are God's children. And therefore, as a result, Altimas, don't make yourself disgusting. Don't do things that are improper for someone of your dignity, from someone of your level. Be, res- be respectful. Be- show yourself in a dignified manner. You are the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't be disgusted with his reproof. Don't say, how could I deserve such punishment? Why is it that this is coming upon me, this suffering? Why? Because it's God's way to be very exact with the tzaddikim. Uh, and even the non-tzadikim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect, but especially with the tzadikim. Precise punishment to the tzadikim shows God's care for us. According to Rabbeinu Yonah, he says that this pasuk is referring to someone who's achieved a special, outstanding level of bitahon, of trust. And he performs good deeds, ma'asim tovim, all the mitzvot, but he doesn't attain uh, much beracha in terms of his wealth or success. Sometimes his health is at risk. He suffers affliction. Uh, he doesn't despise the chastisements that the, that the Musar from Akadosh Baruch Hu. He strengthens his trust in God as, as a result because he realizes that it's greater benefit to him to do so. And as a result, Akadosh Baruch Hu purifies him and cleanses him of his sin and brings him much reward 
in the next world. And that's what Achachamim tell us in Perkei Avot. Yafa sha'achat shel korat ruach ba'olam haba mikol chaya olam haba. Azeh. That better is one hour of spiritual bliss in the world to come than the entire life of this world. Because this world is filled, yes, with good things, but there's a lot of afflictions. But if a person can overcome those afflictions, accept them, as we're going to see in, in, in the psukim that come up, then you will be zocheh to a sha'achat shel korat ruach, that one moment of, of olam haba is worth so much more. The individual himself doesn't know what is considered good for him. Only God knows what's good for him. He knows where true benefit lies, whether it's in shalva, in tranquility, or or suffering. Um, the Sefer Menorah Tamaor teaches that if someone looks upon affliction as a random occurrence, as happenstance, then God forbid his destiny is also going to be left by left to happenstance. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu's divine protection will be removed from him. He has to realize that the purpose of afflictions are to arouse a person to repent, to atone for his sins, to do teshuvah, to afford him the opportunity to earn more reward in the next world. Achachamim explained in the Midrash that if a person committed a sin, which he was liable to to death by the hands of heaven, which means he was not mita bedin, where he's actually executed here by a, by a, a court of, of judges, but rather mita uh, God doesn't actually kill him in this world. But what, what happens as a result, says the Midrash? His animal will die. If he owns oxen, they will die. His sheep will die. Or he'll hurt his finger. Or he'll uh, break a bone in his body, or 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 uh, some of his utensils will break, or um, he'll he'll uh, he'll lose some money, and his investments will go down. All this, a person needs to be thankful for God's mercy on him, because instead of a more severe punishment because of the action that you did, that would that result in mitabidei shamaim, God instead took it upon your sheep, he took it upon your oxen, took it upon your finger. And not, God forbid, something worse. Afflictions are particularly beloved by the tzaddikim. Because they appreciate the true value of Yisurin. The Gemara tells us that when Rabbi Eliezer, one of the Tanaim, became sick, four Chachamim came to visit him. And the first three praised him and all of his virtues. You know, you're a wonderful person. A, B, you know, you're incredible. This, 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 this. And, uh, okay, he heard it, didn't really pay much attention to him. When Rabbi Akiva came to Rabbi Eliezer, what did he say? The words he says are, afflictions are beloved because they're an atonement for you. They act as a kapara. And the, and the Gemara specifically says in Masechet Sanhedrin that it was the words of Rabbi Akiva. Afflictions are beloved. Those are the words which Rabbi Eliezer found most comforting. Ki, continue, continuing in Pasuk Yudbet, Ki et asher yehav Hashem yochiach. For Hashem admonishes the one that He loves. Hashem doesn't admonish the person who He doesn't love. He admonishes specifically people that He loves. Uchavet ben yirtzeh. Like a father, He mollifies a child. If someone cares for another person, then He gives him musar. He admonishes him from taking the wrong 
path, so too the Kadosh Baruch Hu says the Vilna Gaon. It's because he loves Bnei Israel, because he loves us, he sends us affliction. The Vilna Gaon then continues and says that this phrase is in reference to verbal rebuke, tochacha. Um, but the part of the verse that says, like a father mollifies a child, is reflect- is, is, is reflecting how a person can, uh, like a father will physically um, help to improve his child's ways. Give him a little uh, patch on the, on the back, all right? And, and say, hey, what are you doing, son? How can you do such a thing? If he inflicts physical suffering, that indicates that there's a, a higher level of closeness between the father and the son. I know today it's hard to hear such a statement, right? Today, someone says, oh, my, a, a father uh, smacked his son on the, on the back or on the bum. Everyone goes crazy. But if, that, if anything, it shows how much love that the father has for the son. If a wayward child disregards a father's verbal ver- rebuke, of course you have to start with verbal rebuke. You have to speak to him. And, uh, and if he disregards it, he has to continue to admonish him, even if it means it's corporal punishment. Because a concerned father, a father that really cares for his child, is pained from the fact that his child is making mistakes. It hurts him. It's bothering him to no end. So he longs for his improvement. He wants to rectify his son's actions. He punishes him only for the sake of the child, not for him. The Gemara says if you're, if, if you're striking a child out of anger, that's one of the worst things you can do. The father's not striking the child out of anger. He's striking the child to get the, the child in the right path. And what's the proof of it? Because as soon as the punishment is over, the father tries to console the child. It's back to love and endearment. So therefore, we are told not to despise the heavenly afflictions because that shows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu considers us precious in his eyes. Like a father considers his son precious. If a father has a special uh, af- affection for his children, for one of his children, then he will... Uh, rebuke that child the most, more than everybody else. And the same way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the Jewish people more than all of his other children. Tzadik Hashem Yivhan. Hashem examines the righteous, as the Pasuk in Tehilim tells us. He tests them. He's looking closely to see what they're doing. He specifically chastises and tests the righteous. Think about it. If a speeding car was about to strike, God forbid, a child, the father will grab his son and literally violently cast him and toss him across the road out of the vehicle's path. Now the child is injured. He's bruised. He scraped his leg as a result. But the life has been saved. He could have, he could have been hit by the car. So this is the nature of Musar that we have to appreciate. It appears to be that it causes injury, but in reality it saves a person from a spiritual death. The Katzka Rebbe was very famous in saying that the month that the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed is the month of Av. And the month of Av, Av means father. And the reason he explained is that if an adult caresses a child, it doesn't really indicate that that adult is the father or mother of the child. But if the adult slaps the youngster, then you can be sure he's the father. You can be sure that she's the mother. Same thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu when, uh, uh, when inflicting uh, retribution as a result of the, of the sins of the Jewish people by destroying the Bet HaMikdash, that was an indication of a father's love 
for us. And that's the reason why the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed in the month of Av, the month of uh, Father. One step further of this would be the concept of Yisurin Shel Ahava. Yisurin Shel Ahava are called afflictions of love, which are discussed in length in the tractate Berachot, Masechet Berachot. And the Chachamim also learned this idea of affliction of love from this Pasuk. These afflictions are visited upon by the Tzadikim Gmurim, the totally righteous, not as a punishment for sin, but rather as an opportunity for them to increase their war, reward in Olam Abab. The Gemara explains that if a person sees that his afflictions come to him, what should he do? Should examine his ways, see what he's doing wrong. And if he doesn't find anything wrong with what he did, there's no fault in his actions or his deeds, then he should say, okay, the reason why I'm suffering is because I wasted time in my study of Torah. I should have studied most of the day, and instead, I uh, i don't know, I decided to uh, walk around or, or hang around at a coffee shop, and therefore that's the reason why I'm, I'm suffering. And if a person checked his ways, realized he didn't do anything wrong, and also didn't waste any time in his Torah study, then he must come to the conclusion that the reason why he is suffering is Yisurim Shel Ahava, afflictions of love. Ki et asher yehav Hashem yochiach. The Gemara quotes this pasuk that we just that we just learned. For Hashem admonishes the one who He loves. It has to be affliction of love. An amazing, amazing uh, anecdote of Rav Moshe Feinstein, just to show you the extent of how righteous or how the righteous would examine their deeds. When Rav Moshe Feinstein became sick in his uh, later years of his life. And he searched through all, he was suffering a little bit. And he was thinking, what did I do in my life that caused this suffering? Uh, he couldn't figure it out. You know, Moshe was a great tzaddik, so he was thinking, but I must have done something. If I'm suffering, it must, must be that I did something wrong. But he couldn't pinpoint the exact time until he reached back, way back in his youth, when he was still a young child in yeshiva, in elementary school, he recalls. His rabbi posed a very difficult question in the shiur, and he and his friend both gave an answer to the question. But the rabbi praised Moshe's answer, Moshe Feinstein's answer, as the correct one. He's the correct one. But he didn't praise the other boy's answer so well. Rav Moshe Feinstein said in his later years, at that moment, when the rabbi praised my answer, my feeling of superiority over my friend, that feeling that kind of like as kids, you're like, ha, I got the right answer, not you, or my answer was better than yours. That feeling of superiority, says the most refined scene, is the reason I deserve the pain that I'm suffering today. This is the tzaddikim, how much they examine their deeds especially something to think about in Chodesh Elul, which we, we, are, we are taught to examine our deeds in preparation, in, in, in the process of Teshuvah, definitely. Ashrei Adam Matzah Chochmah. Pasuk Yudimah says, Praiseworthy is a person who has found wisdom. Ve'adam Yapik Tevunah. And also a person who gives forth 
understanding. Notice how the Pasuk says, praiseworthy is a man who has found wisdom. Because you can't deduce wisdom through your own reasoning. We talked about this in previous classes. You have to hear it from a teacher. You have to find it in holy books through the study of, uh, of the Torah. You know, Shlomo HaMelech, well, the, the Chachamim explained to us why did Shlomo HaMelech, how was it possible that Shlomo HaMelech can, uh, can go out and marry an Egyptian princess? It's brought down Sefer Melachim. And the Midrash explains that the reason is because his teacher, Shimi Ben Gera, was no longer around, passed away. And because he didn't have his teacher, the moment he, he lost his teacher, he went off and he married an Egyptian princess. So we see how important it is that the ability to attain Chokhmah comes as a result of what you learn from people. Hearing it from your the, the Rabbanim, the, those that teach you wisdom or find it in, in, in holy books. Ve'adam yafik tebunan, a person who gives forth understanding. Again, this is connected to what we said before with regards to suffering. Suffering, again, will arouse a person to do Teshuvah. That's the purpose of suffering. It allows us to examine our ma'asim and repent. And should he find no sin to account for the suffering, then it's because of the lack of Torah that he studied. And then he will apply himself to the study of Torah, which will bring him the understanding. Kitov sahra misechar kasif. For its commerce, the study of Torah, the commerce, we'll see, is better than the commerce of silver. And its produce is better than fine gold. In any commercial venture, uh, there is an exchange. The buyer takes the merchandise and the seller takes the payment. When it comes to the Torah, it's different. When it comes to Torah, one says to his friend, teach me your chapter and I'll teach you my chapter. Meaning they trade their knowledge of Torah. Each one gains. And this is exemplified by Rabbi Hayat, one of the Tanaim. His methodology of teaching, the Gemara explains, that how was how did he ensure that the Torah not be forgotten? He wrote down the five books of Moshe, Hamishach Torah, for these five children. And he taught each one a different book. And then he taught the six orders of Mishnah, Shisha Sidir Mishnah, to another six children. And then he told each one of his children to teach each other what they learned from him. And this is this was his method. It's a trade. When it's silver, it's I lose the merchandise, but I gain the money. There's a buy, there's there's a gain and a loss here. Possessions such as merchandise, silver, gold. They're, they're not lasting, nor do they become an integral part of, of a person. Chokhmah and Tevunah, the wisdom and understanding that a person has, those are eternal. They continually enrich a person's neshama. To occupy ourselves with the Torah, which gives us the wisdom, is far more profitable than the pursuit of any other promising venture, mutual funds, RSP, real estate investment that you can imagine. The entire inventory of all other acquisitions cannot be compared to that of the Torah's worth. I said at the beginning of the shiur that 
at the end of the shiur, we will touch upon some of the more famous Pesukim in our entire Tanakh. Maybe it begins now, and it gets probably more well-known. Those of us familiar with the song of Torah Emet Natan Lanu that we sing on Shavuot and Simchat Torah and we sing for Bar Mitzvahs, the first stanza after the chorus is Where did the author uh, uh, find uh, that, pasu- the, that those words? He took it from these, this Pasuk of Mishle. It is more precious than pearls. And all of your desires cannot compare to it. Why is the wisdom, why is the Torah more precious than pearls? The Chafetz Chaim draws a parallel between the value of Torah and the value of pearls. As the size of the pearl increases, the value of the, of the pearl increases manifold, far more than the actual size of the pearl. So if you have, for example, an 8 millimeter pearl that is worth uh, $5,000, a 16 millimeter pearl does, is not worth $10,000 double. Just because it's double the size, that doesn't mean it's worth it's worth double. It's worth exponentially more. It's worth $25,000. Same principle applies to the study of the Torah. If a person toils and masters one chapter of Torah and his friend toils and masters two chapters of the Torah, the reward of the second guy is not just double. It's exponentially greater than the first guy. Far surpasses that of the first guy. As if he attained a totally different understanding of uh, a level of understanding and Kedusha. We are taught, The Gemara tells us that a person who has reviewed his studies 100 times cannot be compared to a person who reviewed his studies 101 times, even though it's just one more time. It's not the same. The Chafetz Chaim says, it's just one more time than the former, but this small amount of additional Torah allowed him to attain a higher level, so much so that by comparison to him, the first one, God forbid, it's Ke'ilu... not even not, not, not even began to serve HaKadosh Baruch The second guy, wow, unbelievable, 101. 100, eh, push it aside. 101, something unbelievable. Achachamim interpret this pasuk homiletically also to teach that the merit of the Torah, of a Torah scholar, even if he's a mamzer, even if he's a Jew who is forbidden to marry another Jew, that is greater than a Kohen Gadol who enters the inner sanctuary. That's how great the study of the Torah is. That if a mamzer studies the Torah is greater than a Kohen Gadol who doesn't study the Torah. Breach it, puts him on a higher pedestal. Mi peninim is lifnai velifnim, the inner sanctuary. Bekol chafatzecha lo And all of your desires cannot compare to it. All things that you desire are not equal to the chokhmah of the Torah. A person tries to acquire something for two reasons. Either because it's an item that is of rare beauty, rare worth, or it's something that he really needs, such as bread. A person should strive to acquire Torah and its wisdom for both reasons. A, it's rarer than pearls, and it's also 
so necessary that no other desire can be compared to it. Torah is our life, as we're going to see in a couple of psukim. And what is more important, says the Vilna Gaon, than life itself? Therefore, if Torah is our life, that's what we have to engage in. Pearls are valuable because they are found in a non-human environment. Not on land where man can live, but pearls are found in the sea, says the Malbim. The same is true with the wisdom of the Torah, which is also not found in the material world and cannot be derived simply from man's intellect, but it has to be derived from higher sources because man's intellect man's intellect is bound by the physical by physical constraints. It's difficult. Chokhmah is spiritual. It has to be attained. It needs siyata dishmaya. It needs heavenly assistance. It's divine wisdom. So therefore, a person has to give up all of his physical desires and pleasures to attain chokhmah because all of man's desires cannot possibly compare uh, to the Torah. The Midrash tells us that there was a Persian king whose name was Artavin. And he once sent Rabbi Uda Nasi, Rabbi Uda Nasi was the compiler of the Mishnah, one of the last Tanaim. He sent Rabbi Uda Nasi a priceless jewel as a gift. And Rabbi Uda Nasi, to repay the favor, sent him a mezuzah. Sent him a mezuzah. Now the king receives a mezuzah, he sees a parchment with some black ink on it, and he writes him a letter back. And on the letter, the king writes Rabbi Udanasi, I sent you something priceless. And you are sending me something worth uh, barely a coin? This is the letter. Rabbi Udanasi, also known as Rebbe, responded to him, Your desirable things and my desirable things cannot compare to the Torah. And not only that, not only that, you sent me an item, a priceless jewel, that I must guard, whereas I sent you an item which protects you. That was his response. Pasuk Tedzain. What a beautiful pasuk, very famous. Orech yamim biminah bismola osher vekavod. Length of days is at its right, and at its left, wealth and honor. The right side of the Torah refers to those people who study it lishma, for the sake, for its own sake, for the sake of heaven. Right always represents the stronger side. Left is the weaker side. And these people who study l'shem shamayim for the sake of it, they will merit, they will merit orech yamim bimina, long life, and most certainly wealth and honor as well. The left side, the people who study the Torah, Shalolishma, not for its own sake, meaning they study in order to, to attain wealth or in order to attain honor, they're going to get the wealth and they're going to get the honor. But they're only going to get the left side. The Orech Yamin, not necessarily. Some say that the right side is in reference to Olam Abba, the world to come. And the left side, the Oshever Chabod, is this world. So an individual who performs the mitzvot with the intention of earning the reward in Olam Haba, he will merit length of days for eternity, Olam Haba, because the world to come is eternal. But if his intentions are for this world, then he will merit wealth and honor, but wealth and honor are not eternal. After a person passes away, after 120, the wealth doesn't come along with him and neither does his honor. <clears throat> there was an amazing... Uh, 
series of events that took place in the um, late 1700s that really show or illustrates the relationship between wealth and Torah scholarship. In the time of Rav Chaim Mivalajin, there was an extremely wealthy family that was famous for its philanthropy. The head of the family was Rav Moshe Soloveitchik. Rav Moshe Soloveitchik owned vast forests, and year after year he sold his, uh, his timber and lumber at rich profits, made a lot of money. Then, for reason unbeknownst to the people, or to anyone, he lost a vast amount of his properties. One after another, they kept on following, falling until he went bankrupt. And because he had been so well known to opening up his home and being generous with tzedakah, everyone wanted to know, they wondered, how was it possible that he had such a sudden change in fortune? So the change was so striking that Rav Chaim Ivalajin set up a special beddin to investigate whether or not Rav Moshe committed some sin, a serious transgression that caused the downfall of his, uh, of his properties and that he was punished. And the beddin concluded that Rav Moshe did everything according to halakha except that sometimes he gave away more money to tzedakah than he was supposed to, more than a fifth of his wealth. But apart from disregarding that one small guideline, the judges couldn't find anything that he did. Meanwhile, while this was happening, and you know, Parnassah was down, no longer having the business, Rav Moshe had much more free time. So he and his sons went to the Bet Midrash to begin studying and learning with more energy and more concentration. And before long, the last name of Soloveitchik came to represent greatness in Torah, just like it represented greatness in wealth in tzedakah. Rav Moshe was appointed a rabbi in a city. His brilliant son, Yosef, became the son-in-law of the Gadol Ador, Rahami Valajin. That the, his grand, Rav Moshe's grandson, Rav Yitzchak Zev, became a, a tzaddik of Kovno, and the father of the famous Beta Levi, Rabbi Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, and thus, Rabotai, a dynasty of many generations of greatness descended from Rav Moshe Soloveitchik, all the brisker Hasidim, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, uh, Rav Yosef Ber Soloveitchik, the Rosh Hashiva of, of Wayu, the, the Rav, as they used to call him, all the, uh, the Soloveitchik dynasty came from this Rav Moshe. Some years after the financial catastrophe of the Soloveitchik family, Rav Chaim Valajin commented, Now I understand why this family lost so much money. They had done so much good with their money that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to reward them with not only one son who would be a great Torah scholar with a dynasty of such people. But greatness in Torah cannot come together with greatness in wealth. They're separate. So before Rav Moshe could receive his reward, the family had to lose most of its money. This is the statement of Rav uh, Chaim Mivalajin. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable story. And those that study the life of the Soloveitchiks and, and again, the dynasty that they, that they left, the legacy, will really appreciate the parallels between the wealth, their wealth that they had and the Torah scholarship. Moving on to Pasuk Yud Zayin, two more Psukim. Derachea darche noam, 
v'chol netivotea shalom. We say this when we take out the Sefer Torah uh, during the week and on Shabbat. Its ways are ways of pleasantness. And all its byways are peace. The ways of the Torah are pleasant. It doesn't, it's not burdensome. It's not imposing. It doesn't bring difficulties on a person. The, the, the mitzvot are beneficial for us. It brings us physical health. It brings us spiritual health and, well, and well-being. Um, you know, whenever we get sick, the Rambam says, the illness prevents us from enjoying the taste of food, whether it's because we have a blocked nose or sinuses, whatever it is. The same thing applies to spiritual matters. A person whose soul is sick cannot appreciate the pleasantness of the mitzvot and how beautiful it is, nor can he realize the dangers that surround us, that the, that the Torah is warning us to stay away from. The ways of the Torah teach us not to overindulge in the pleasures of, of life, nor to suffer un, uh, uh, unnecessarily. That's what the Torah is. For example, the Torah commands us to have Onik Shabbat, to enjoy what Shabbat has to offer and the Yom Tov, and the, whether it's the food or it's the rest or it's the singing or it's the Zmirot or it's the fresh baked halot. This is what happens. This is a, a stark contrast to the other nations who for them, reaching spiritual level would mean uh, donning sackcloth, uh, depriving themselves of food and drink, uh, and secluding themselves in mountains and forests Barely surviving. That's not ours. For us, the ways of the Torah and the mitzvot are pleasant. And its byways are peace. You know, the Torah wasn't given to the Jewish people right after they left Mitzrayim. It wasn't. Because the Midrash writes that the Jewish people were at odds with each other. It was There was infighting amongst the Jews. It was only when they reached to Sinai, Har Sinai, the Pasuk tells us, Vayichan Sham Yisrael, it doesn't say Vayachanu and they encamp, but rather Vayichan and he camped. It's a single form. And of course, Rashi famously says, Ke'ish Echad Belev Echad. It was only at Har Sinai where the Jewish people unified together, Be'achdut, as one, because the Torah needs to be given when the Jewish people are at peace. The entire Torah is peace. To whom shall I give the Torah, God said? <coughs> to, to a nation that loves peace. Peace. That's what the Midrash, the Midrash writes. Last pasuk for the evening. Etz chayim hi lamachazikimba betomchea meushar. Probably the most famous pesukim of them all. The Torah is a tree of life to those who hold fast to it. One who eats from its fruits will live long. Rav Huna states that if a person was to God forbid transgress an abedah which he was liable to death at the hands of heaven, what should he do? He should involve himself in the study of the Torah. If he reads one page of Chumash, let him read two pages. If he reads one Mishnah, let him read two Mishnayot. Of Nachman Bar Yitzchak in Gemara Masechet Ta'anit explains why the Torah's words are compared to a tree. That just as small pieces of wood ignite the larger pieces, so too the junior scholars, the Talmidim, sharpen the minds of the senior scholars with their constant questioning. Bichanina Vendosa said, I have learned much from my teachers and from my colleagues even more, but from my students, from my Talmidim, umi Talmidai yoter mikulam, from my students more than from them um, all. Uh, and its supporters are praiseworthy. 
Rashi says, Tomchea means those who come close to it. Temicha, grabbing onto it. And the Midrash explains that the tree of life, the Etz Chaim He, Etz Chaim He, Lamachazikim Ba, the tree of life to those people who hold fast to it is in reference to the Sheveti Sachar. Those are the people that engage in Torah study. However, the second part of the Pasuk, Vetomchea Meushar, the supporters are praiseworthy. That's in reference to the tribe of Zevulun, the tribe, the, the, the brother of Yisachar, who would support those that studied the Torah. Because a person who supports Torah scholars is credited with the merit of their Torah study. Unbelievable. The thousand dollars that I give to the, to the Jewish day school, the money that I give to the Kolel so that their Avrahim can learn, I am getting the same reward as they are that are studying Torah. In fact, the Gemara in Masechet Zevachim quotes a whole bunch of rulings in the name of Shimon. And the brother, um, the, uh, the, the brother of Azariah. Now Azariah, um, Azariah wasn't a scholar. It was Shimon who was the scholar. So why does the, the Gemara quote the name of Azariah? Because Azariah was the businessman. And he was the one who, whose support enabled Shimon, his brother, to actually study. So therefore, Shimon's ruling in the Gemara is a credit to his brother Azariah. Same idea. When Moshe Rabbeinu was giving his final blessings at the end of his life to the 12 Shevatim, he mentioned the tribe of Zevulun before the tribe of Yisachar, even though Yisachar was older. And the reason is because the tribe of Zevulun's job was to engage in commerce, to allow the, 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 his brother Yisachar to study Torah. And through the study of Torah that Yisachar was going to learn, they were going to create judges and teachers and cultivators of of spiritual growth and spiritual treasure of the people. So therefore, Zevulun is mentioned first, specifically, because it made Yisachar's Torah study possible. Uh, uh, a shocking, sad story that I read, but yet, again, it reaffirms this point. There was uh, a rabbi of Tels Yeshiva, Rav Eliezer Gordon of Tels, when he, when he got married, his father-in-law... Uh, decided that he was going to support uh, support this couple for the first 10 years of, his, of their marriage so that this, uh, this guy, this rabbi can learn to continue learning some Torah for 10 years so he could devote himself to full-time Torah study. When the 10 years ended, the, his, the, the, the mother-in-law or the wife of the person who was supporting said to her husband, you know, maybe it's time that our son-in-law and daughter um, actually become self-supporting. Maybe he should go find a job as a, as a rabbi or a teacher to make some income so that we don't support him any longer. And her husband responded, who knows who has been supporting whom until now? Story continues that, again, 10 years ended and the son-in-law decided to indeed go and find a job. And he found a job as a rabbi in another city. And the day arrived for his departure, and uh, they were about to leave their family. But just as his father-in-law, the one who was supporting his son-in-law for 10 years, just as he arrived from Bet Knesset that morning to say bye to his son-in-law and daughter, he collapsed and died. A very, very sad story. But it was then where everybody tearfully recalled those prophetic words by the father-in-law. 
who knows who has been supporting who? Meaning, I've only been alive because I was supporting my son-in-law studying yeshiva for 10 years. But now that he's not, and I'm not supporting him anymore, who is supporting him? Really, was a son-in-law supporting his father-in-law through the study of, of, of Torah. It's a sad, again, but yet shocking, uh, shocking story. Tomchea, the supporters, is written in plural. But me'ushar, praiseworthy, is in singular. Why is that the case? Because numerous people can support one Torah scholar. Because none of them individually can provide for all of his needs. Nevertheless, each one of them will be credited with the complete reward as if they supported him single-handedly. Says the Vilna Gaon that there are seven gifts that we mention in these Pesukim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Jewish people through the Torah. This is all we, we discuss in these in these last few psukim in this year. Long life, Orech Yamim, wealth, Osher, honor, Kavod, wisdom is number four, obviously Chochmah, children, those are, that's the Etz Chaim, the tree of life which sprouts branches, favor, which is Hen, and uh, of course, peace. And therefore, these are all the wonderful rewards that a person gets. By plucking the fruits of the etzadat, of the tree of knowledge, against the will of God, Adam and Chava forfeited the tree of life. They forfeited the etzachayim. But yet, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Torah. He gave us the Holy Torah, which grants us Chochman Tevuna wisdom and understanding. And as a result, he also grants us a combination of the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. If we tend to it lovingly, if we caress the tree, if we care for the tree, and done so faithfully, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will allow us to earn both the fruits of knowledge and the fruits of eternal life. When a community gathers in support of Torah-driven ideas and motives, when they gather in support of the tree of life, of the Etz Chaim, they are united with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's spiritual and moral support. And as a result, Tomchea Me'ushar, they are praiseworthy. That is a community who is praiseworthy. One unit, one group in harmony. Should the Torah, this single beam of support be lacking, God forbid, then every society becomes uh, a, a pretense being held together only outwardly, superficially, while inwardly there's division because there's no peace, there's no chen. It's not genuine. And that is what we strive for. That is et chayim hilama It is our job to find ways in our life, wherever we are, whomever we're with, to reach out and grab. Some people grab one branch, some people grab two branches, some people hug the entire tree. But no matter what you grab on, you are always be considered praiseworthy, as long as you reach out and grab it. Wishing you all a wonderful night. We'll speak soon. Kol